So having a couple places that are already here that we protect now, you know, we'll start to see a lot of those old forest characteristics developing in the next couple decades. Whereas a lot of forests, it's going to take, you know, even many that we own, it's going to take a hundred years for them to start to feel old or more. So, you know, capturing some of these halfway there places is a great head start on getting all the way there. From VT Digger, this is The Deeper Dig. I'm Riley Robinson. What does it mean to conserve forests? When is human intervention helpful? And when should we just leave the trees alone? It's an age-old debate in the field of forestry, and it cuts to the heart of a bill before Vermont state lawmakers. This morning we will be taking up H-126, an act relating to community resilience and biodiversity protection. As it turns out, a lot of folks working in forestry don't see it as an either-or situation. To them, it's not a competition between preservation and logging or wildlands versus active management. The bill touches on what is currently a pretty contentious issue within the forestry and conservation community. I spoke with my colleague Emma Cotton about this complicated balancing act. Emma covers the environment, energy, agriculture, and climate change for VT Digger. So you went out trekking around with Shelby Perry, who's a wildlands ecologist, and you were out in the Woodbury Mountain Wilderness Preserve. What was Shelby looking for out there? Yeah, the Woodbury Mountain Wilderness Preserve is this 6,000-acre stretch of land in Woodbury. And it has recently been preserved by the Northeast Wilderness Trust as a forever wild land. So uh, there's very limited human intervention that would ever happen in those woods. It's, it's protected from logging. Um, it's open for some types of recreation. And that's pretty much it. Um, so we're approaching very steep, which is good news for old forests and bad news for tired legs. Um, <laughs> We were roaming around looking for, for old forests to see whether the land um, contained patches of trees that were 100 to 150 years old, uh, to see if there were places where there were complex structures in the ecosystem. Um, she was looking for sort of mossy, spongy soil and downed trees and all of the things that a forest would sort of do on its own when it hasn't been touched by people. But this forest is a teenager, and the forest, you know, when it's all grown up, feels really, really different. And we have a handful of places where that's already true, but we don't have very many, and they're really, really hard to get to. And so most people don't get to experience that. Shelby, I think, had a knack for sort of just looking around and taking stock of what was there. She also was coring some trees, so when we when she thought that you know a, a tree might be a certain age, she would sit down next to it and take out her core, which is like this thin metal rod. She would sort of twist it into the tree trunk and pull out a very thin sliver of the tree's flesh and count its rings. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, so that's 70. We'll add maybe 
8 to 10 for the ones we missed in the middle of the core and however long it took the tree to get to this height. Um, oh. so we wouldn't have any of the rings that happened before that. So we're probably looking at roughly a hundred year old tree, um, which is not quite 150, but it's that an young. old tree. Yeah. This was new land under the trust, right? So like when did this land become part of this wilderness trust? So actually the land, the sale became finalized the day that we were walking around um, out there. This land has entered the Northeast Wilderness Trust portfolio alongside a lot of other land across the region. So they're finding that people are becoming more and more interested in conserving land in this specific way, which is to set it aside entirely and not let people log it, which is rare. They're the only regional scale land trust that conserves land this way. Other land trusts allow other types of um, human activity like logging in that land. So this is this is a very specific type of conservation easement and the interest they are reporting is growing. Just generally, why why did you do this? Why did you go up into forest in Woodbury? I was really interested in this movement that I sort of see taking place across Vermont and parts of the region where um, people are becoming more interested in using forest in a different way than we have in the past. So if we just rewind really quickly, in the 1800s, Vermont was clear-cut. Almost all of Vermont's forests were clear-cut for agriculture, for farming. Um, and since then, Vermont has experienced a really huge change, and now 78% of the for of the land is covered in forest. So we've come back from that in a big way. That is due in part to the Green Ma Mountain National Forest becoming established in the state in the 1930s. And also the state has a program called Current Use, which allows property owners to be taxed on their undeveloped value of their property rather than on its value in the marketplace. Vermont has valued working forests for a really long time and, and almost all of our forests have been involved in, in the logging, the timber industry in some way for a really long time. And people are starting to feel like that should change. And that is due um, in large part because, you know, due to climate change, because the forest is often recognized as a climate solution. It sequesters a lot of carbon, it stores a lot of carbon, and it can be seen as sort of an easy way, quote unquote easy. <laughs> Some people see this as an easy way to have, have the solution. We just leave forests alone and they do all this work. They suck all this carbon out of the atmosphere. And then I think wildlife is another huge reason why people have been interested in conserving forest um, in many different ways. But when we have large swaths of connected forest, it allows species to migrate. For some people, it's more philosophical than that. It's sort of a matter of letting a forest be a forest for whatever purposes might exist, just sort of allowing it to grow old on its own terms, allowing it to support its own ecology. 
you know, of course, Northeast Wilderness Trust would take that forest and say, you live on tree time. We're going to let you <laughs> play out your processes on tree time. Yeah. And, and it's hard for humans to do that sometimes because we live on human time. And so that doesn't feel like much in our lifetimes, but our lifetime is not much compared to the lifetime of a tree. So mm-hmm. um, I think it, 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 it can come down to personal philosophy too is, you know, Absolutely. It is. Nature's left to its own devices is going to get back to a, a state of health uh, eventually. And do we want to, or are we willing to wait for that to happen? Or do we want to speed it up for ecological, personal, climate change, whatever our reasons might be? So there's a lot going on, and I think it's safe to say that in this conversation, very few people agree about anything. Everyone has a really different perspective about what should happen and why, and um, as one forester told me, you know, we're having some really difficult conversations about what we believe forests are and how we want to use them. There's this philosophical debate, there's this scientific investigation into what forests could or should look like, but this is also playing out politically, right? Can you kind of walk me through what the big political movement has been about forests in Vermont? Sure. So there are movements that are happening in the state and there are movements happening nationally that touch Vermont. Um, One example is an executive order that President Biden issued last year, where he sort of set the intention of conserving mature and old growth forest across the country. That executive order hasn't come yet with a set of policies that really affect change on the ground. I think a lot is being debated because, again, people don't agree on a lot of things, even, you know, such as the definition of what a mature forest is or what an old growth forest is. So there's a lot that needs to be ironed out there. But that executive order has the potential to impact projects that are going on in Vermont. For example, there's a project in Rutland County where um, 11,000, more than 11,000 acres of land are, would be opened up for logging. And a lot of that's taking place on mature forests, on old, what's considered old forest. So that could be impacted. I want to ask you about old growth because I know you've also described some some forests as just old forests. I've heard this term old growth forests for forever, but I am not really clear on what it means. <laughs> what what is old growth? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good question. No one agrees on what old growth means. Everyone has a different different definition. I think the strictest definition that the most people could probably get behind is that So forests that have never been touched by human intervention and that have never been touched by natural disturbance definitely qualify. Those are old growth forests. Trees that have been standing for hundreds of years that have escaped all all types of disturbance qualify as old growth. Some people argue that a forest impacted by natural disturbance still counts because it's still, um, that's a natural process and um, disturbance you know, is part of a healthy ecosystem in forests. So if there's a hurricane that came and knocked a bunch of trees down, 
um, that those trees will dissolve into the soil and create, you know, healthy, complex structures for different types of wildlife. Other people say that that doesn't count. Some people think that old growth forests can be forests that were once entirely cleared and 300 years from now will eventually have their own type of complexity um, and will have grown old. So there are a lot of different definitions. This is, this is partly why when people say we need to protect old growth forests, it becomes, you know, so, so intense and prickly because nobody agrees on what it means. And do we have pockets of old growth in Vermont? We do have pockets of, of old growth in Vermont, um, typically where it's impossible for logging equipment to, to reach those areas. So in really steep ravines on really steep, you know, mountainsides, um, that's where you're going to see quote unquote old growth forest. It is, most people say it is less than 1% of the composition of the forest in the state um, because so much of it was clear cut when the Europeans came and settled in Vermont. I also wanted to ask you about this. Um, I think a lot of people, when they hear logging, they might think you just cut down everything. But what does it actually look like? It looks it looks different depending on the circumstance. I think there is definitely clear cutting that happens in Vermont. There's also a lot of logging in Vermont that isn't clear cutting. Um, I did a field trip with a logger, Sam Lincoln, who owns a business in Randolph Center. He's trying to cut, make sure each of the four sides of the log is called the face. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to make sure that he has at least two clear faces on a, on a log that's going to oh, go okay. to a sawmill. Got it. And he had this machine that would sort of very precisely move in between trees and take one tree down and then extract that tree so it didn't touch any of the others on its way out. And, you know, in some areas there are patch cuts, so you're clearing, you know, a certain amount of forest and leaving others. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of different approaches. I do think clear cutting is probably the most widely talked about um, in the media and, and elsewhere um, as, you know, sort of a symbol of what is, what can be damaging. Um, but then Sam Lincoln, you know, mentioned that some of the clear cuts he does are to create um, pasture for organic farms. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of nuance to, to every piece of this, but it, it looks entirely different depending on the logging job and what's requested from the, the landowner. So I know we had a couple sidebars here about old growth and what that means, but to bring it back to policy, you've told me a little bit about what's going on at the federal level. Can you tell me what's going on just within the state of Vermont? On a statewide level, there's there's a few different initiatives that are going on. Um, one is a bill that has already become a law that passed last session, um, which which creates a new category in the state's current use program. So that tax incentive for property owners to, to keep undeveloped land undeveloped, you know, that has historically applied to uh, working forests and agriculture. There's a new category that would allow property owners to only manage their lands for ecological benefits. And this is really interesting, too, because, you know, 
it's been a trade for a long time. So people have received a tax incentive in exchange for providing an economic benefit. I will, you know, get a little bit off my taxes and I'll sell, you know, I'll participate in the wood products industry. But now these ecological benefits are sort of being seen as a public good. So it's sort of a shift in the way that we think about, again, think about forests um, and what they can do for us. Mm, Okay. Tell me about this current bill that you're watching. Um, So H-126 is a a state bill working through the State House in Vermont that proposes conserving 30% of Vermont's land by 2030. This bill passed uh, both chambers last session, but was vetoed by the governor. Um, And it proposes conserving 30% of Vermont's land by 2030, which is, um, you know, echoes a a President Biden initiative. And this bill gets into the weeds um, of sort of the debate of, you know, forest ecology right now. So it it basically would require um, state officials to implement a document, which is called uh, Vermont Conservation Design. And it makes specific recommendations for how we should manage forests in the state. And it says that we should set around 9% of the state's forests aside to be forever wild. So not touched, not part of the timber industry. And then there are other categories too. Some, um, some of the forest that is conserved would have logging take place on it. And some of it would be open for humans to alter the, the forest based on ecological benefits. Uh, The bill has gotten a lot of feedback. A lot of people appreciate that it walks the line of including those three different categories. Um, But there are a lot of opinions about the bill. It sounds like one of the big questions here is what should conservation mean, right? Like, and how much human intervention is good for forests? If the debate is, are forests best left untouched? Can humans do a better job at managing them than nature on its own? Is logging a form of conservation in itself in forest management? Am I like reading the room right here? Absolutely, yes. All of those questions are being asked. And I think people are wondering what conservation means in this context. And I think the answer in many ways is that it means a lot of different things. Um, one of the words that I heard over and over from every single person I interviewed on this was balance. Um, everyone wants balance, but everyone wants a different kind of balance. So, um, I spoke with Bill Keaton, who is a a researcher at UVM who has studied old growth forests for a long time. He calls himself an old growth advocate. He also advocates for a mixed approach. So he believes that we should set pieces of the forest aside to never be touched. And then we should complement that by having pieces of the forest where we alter it for, you know, ecosystem benefits. And then he also believes that, you know, there is a place for sustainable um, timber harvesting. And I see these as complementary approaches, wilderness and wildlands and sustainably managed working forests. We need both. They, They go together. Bill and others in the state frequently get really frustrated by this, what they call a false dichotomy that has sort of been taking place across the media landscape, across forums where this is being discussed, where 
people think, you know, you either have to set forest aside or you have to actively intensively manage it. And it's an either or situation. Um, Their argument is that we can accomplish a lot of these goals across the landscape in different ways. We recommend a variety of approaches and you can find good science that supports each, each of those. The danger is simplifying this issue by advocating that there should be only one solution or one solution is the best. When in fact, there's science that supports all of these solutions and each one carries risks and pros and cons and trade-offs, which is probably why we need a portfolio of approaches. So yeah, the, the science is complicated. The science is contentious. Scientists themselves disagree about many of these things. There's an active debate within the scientific community. And that's exactly why in a situation like this, we shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket. We need to spread the risk. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about some loggers perspective on this? Like how do they see their work as fitting into this conservation mission? So in Vermont, forest-based businesses, including maple syrup, Christmas trees, and the forest products industry contribute around $861 million in sales to the state's economy every year. That's according to the Department of Forest Parks and Recreation. The industry also employs about 6,600 people. Um, Of course, all of those people are going to have a different perspective about how the forest should be managed and how this conservation work should, should go. But we're looking at this, this white wood here, the heartwood. Yeah. The smaller the heart, the better. <laughs> Sam Lincoln actually testified on this bill, H-126, that proposes different levels of forest conservation across the state. He, um, he is not a fan for some nuanced reasons. His argument is that landowners across Vermont have been voluntarily conserving their forests for a long time. Through the current use program and through landowners' forestry plans that they have for their property, they are voluntarily choosing, you know, not to clear cut their forest, not to um, put housing developments on their land, that kind of thing. So he's sort of saying property owners should be able to decide what they want to do with their land. And a really important asterisk here is that 80% of forests in the state of Vermont are privately owned. So whatever we do needs to have agreement from landowners. So he's sort of, he says he's an advocate for um, property rights and that landowners should be able to choose and that landowners are already doing a lot of good work. He's also um, concerned about the reserved forest land piece of this, that 10% would be set aside. He said that um, he isn't opposed to, you know, old growth forests or older forests being conserved but he sees that wood product demand for wood products is rising. And when I talk about all this, and when all these people say, well, we're just going to stop logging. We're, we've decided that single use of forests to sequester carbon, and that's it, and we're going to stop logging. To me, that is totally uninformed uh, lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't mean we should cut every tree in every place right. all the time. By no means am I saying that, but it means like, it just means. If, if we're not, not cutting trees here is not a net decrease of cutting trees in the region or on the planet. Right. That fiber is going to be used to create those essential goods from somewhere. Hmm. Do we want it to come from Siberia? Do we want it to come from South America? Or do we want to do it here where we can be 
everybody out, be, be part of our economy, part of our sourcing of our essential sure. goods. We're sort of exporting our burden somewhere else if we don't cut these trees here. Just so I understand, he has some concerns about private property rights. Is this bill telling landowners what to do with their land? What exactly is going on there? This bill is setting a goal of conserving 30% of the total landmass of Vermont by 2030. But if you think about the fact that 80% of the land, of the forest land in Vermont is privately owned, you can assume that some of that protected land is going to have to be on private property. I was going to ask you, so like, does this bill come out on one side of the debate or the other, whether to leave the forests be, to manage them with human intervention? But it seems like that question is too, too simple. I think what we can say is that the bill prioritizes permanent conservation, which some people are concerned about because, you know, we wouldn't be able to take that conservation you know, protection away later if we needed to. In terms of the people who are having a debate about how our forests should be used, so environmentalists and um, the people involved in sustainable management, sort of that, those people among that school of thought are, are excited about the fact that the bill has different options for conservation. So we're gonna set some, some pieces aside, some pieces are gonna be available for continued management. Um, so it doesn't, you know, say 70% of the land in Vermont is going to be permanently protected and set aside forever. But I think there is a lot of nuance when you think about how, how this might impact the wood products industry in the state. The problem, I think, so your question was, does it come out on, on one side or the other? And I think that the tricky part is that there, there are so many different sides. You know, there are so many different people with different perspectives at this bill. Um, a lot of people say, say that it does strike a good balance. A lot of people don't. Emma Cotton covers the environment, climate change, energy, and agriculture for VT Digger. And you can read more of her work at vtdigger.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you stream podcasts. This episode used music from Blue Dot Sessions. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon.